Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Welcome to church. Uh, my name's Robin. I'm um, married to Steve here and I have four children. So my life enjoys reverent moments where you can stop and just go, God, you're in control. Because sometimes it can be a little, little bit nuts. Last week, Tom, where's Tom? There he is. Tom just preached. I don't, were you guys here and heard Tom's message last week? Honestly, all week I've been sitting there kind of going, my message isn't that long. I've stolen another folder. There it is. Found it. Um, (laughs) I'm like, it's there. I'm sure it is. Did I bring the wrong folder? Tom preached a message on the armour of God and we finished up the Ephesians series. He didn't actually quite finish it. There's still a little bit. You've got to do a sentence at the end, Shane, or something. But he finished it up with the armour of God and he spoke beautifully about the fact that the armour of God is pretty much all the front. Um, And and he spoke about the fact that we don't have armour in our back. And and sometimes that's because we're supposed to flee things. We're supposed to flee, you know, sexual immorality. But the fact that we don't have armour in our back means that we're actually supposed to stand. And he had a great illustration of um, Tom and Carly standing back to back. And and he's saying that we're supposed to have each other's backs. That's why we don't have any shield on our back. It's because we're supposed to have each other's backs. And I loved that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like revelation. It shouldn't be, but it was. It was amazing. And um, a few, probably a month or so back now, we actually did a series on our night service and it was called You, Me and He. And the whole series, if you were here, you get to hear it again because we just thought as a team that it was so crucial to the heart of our church right now to to know what it is to do community together, to know what it is to have each other's back. Um, We've got a big job to do in our city and we need to know how to do that well together. And so I get to um, restart that series again today and my my perspective is on the importance of others in our relationship with God the importance of linking arms having each other's back in this season my favorite singer and I I pray about it often but I still feel it's okay is Bon Jovi I love Bon Jovi I'm such a bogan anyone else love Bon Jovi yes Kathy Whips there we go (laughs) <laughs> love Bon Jovi I, I yeah anyway um, and one of the, one of the lines in his song is that no man is an island pretty sure it's actually someone else's lyrics too but we're taking it with Bon Jovi and it's true we can't live on our own on an island occasionally Steve and I dream about it this week we've had the worst weeks at work like you can't even imagine what's been going on at both of our works this week and there was a few times we looked at each other and went we're going to the island we're moving to our island no people sunshine, rainbows, lollipops, unicorns, the whole thing. We're going to just sit and be on our island. But we can't live like that. It's not the way God's called us to live. He wants us to live in community with each other. As much as we need God, we need each other. That's the way he created it to be. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks. How do we do that in all its glory and beautiful inhabitants of working together? So Acts chapter 2, it says this, "'They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship.'" to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I love this. I love this scripture because as Christians and living even in the world, the world tells us what our Christian life is supposed to look like. They complicate it. They say you're supposed to do A, B and C. And we sit there going, oh, we should be doing, you know, all of this stuff and that stuff. But at the crux of it, where did you life well together? 
We're to love God. We're to love each other. And we are to provide as much opportunity to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. That's the point of our life. Love God, love others, look for salvation. That, that's it. It's as simple as that. And the Bible gives us clear ways to do that. Meet together. Eat together. Be honest with each other. Have each other's back. I was, I was um, when I grew up in my family, we didn't do family dinner. We sat around the TV and watched TV and, and that, was, that was fine. We still do that sometimes now. Um, that was just the lifestyle I had, whereas Steve's family was different. They had family dinner time and family dinner time was really important. And particularly Sunday lunch was something not to be missed, mainly because the food was epic. It's always so good. <laughs> um, but every Sunday, unless there was something on, we had family dinner. We had family lunch together at Steve's mum and dad's. It's where we came together and we were always asked the question of, how was your week? And it wasn't a flippant, how was your week? I'm going to go on with what I'm doing because you're not really going to answer me. It was, how was your week? What was going on for you this week? What were the highs? What were the lows? It was a genuine conversation that particularly Steve's dad would always ask us. And if we didn't give him the honest answer, he would dig a little deeper and go, how was your week? We would walk in and um, every time you would hear this, um, hey guys, and it wasn't a, oh, you're here again. It was a genuine, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, hey, God. like it's like you were surprised you were coming even though we we're there every Sunday. Proverbs 17, 17 says, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. How was your week? What's coming up? We would chat about what's coming up. We talk about the kids and their sport. We talk about, you know, what was happening in our family, what holidays we we're doing, what, what building projects we were going to attempt to make a mess of our house with next. You know, we would talk about where we were going. Um, it was always that we're always on the same page. Everybody knew what was going on. We always had wisdom shared at our family lunch. Dad would bring something that they'd spoke about at their church in the morning and we'd talk about what we'd spoken about in our church in the morning and we'd compare and our theologies were sometimes sort of the same, sometimes not, which always created great conversation. But we shared wisdom with one another. There was sometimes correction given in love. Proverbs 19.20 says, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. We were always welcome at lunch. We were expected at lunch. Even when the news and updates we would bring may have not been what they would have wanted to hear. We wanted to be there. If we weren't at lunch, we felt like we'd missed out on something at lunch usually because Nan had made some ridiculous dessert, which I swear I was 20 kilos lighter before I became ashore. Totally worth it, though. We celebrated and we comforted each other. That's what family lunch looked like. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of thing that I think church sort of is supposed to look like. You know, Dave and Wendy gave the most amazing illustration last week. It was great about the, you know, the way we're supposed to serve in the house. And they were giving us great opportunity to volunteer in serving and preparing the meal, if you like. It was, it was how do we prepare for Sunday lunch? That's what they were talking about. It was about creating an opportunity for us to actually come home together, talk about how was your week? What are you struggling with? What are you celebrating today? What's going on in your life? What are your dreams? What are your visions? How can we help facilitate what it is that God's put on your life? That's what it means to do family together. But at the end of the day, it was, it was our choice if we didn't want to go to family lunch. Mum and dad would be disappointed. The kids would be sad because they'd miss out on hanging out with their cousins. But it was our choice. 
couple of months back when I actually wrote this message, the first time I'd just flown back in from Darwin, I went, um, one of my friends, uh, one of our friends actually, Chrissy, her brother had passed away and we had to do the, a mad dash to Darwin. I was at an athletics carnival at three o'clock in the afternoon and eight o'clock that night I was on a plane to Darwin because that's what you do, right, in crazy church family life. And I was overwhelmed by the, the spiritual atmosphere, if you like, of Darwin. Um, I'm sure there's beautiful places in Darwin, but the parts I seen were very, very not beautiful. They were awful. Um, it, was, it was devastating. The, the spiritual atmosphere was, was heavy and cold and broken. Um, and I spoke to one of the ladies there and she said to me, she goes, oh yeah, Darwin, it's the place where there's missionaries, mercenaries and misfits. Basically, people go there to try to help people. They go there for being in the military and they go there to run away from their problems. And that's exactly what it felt like. You literally felt like there's a whole group of people displaced, running around, trying to find a place, trying to find something, drugs, alcohol, prostitution, strip clubs, you name it. They were desperate to try and find a place to fit in. We're not supposed to be like that as the church. We're not supposed to run away from our family. We're not supposed to become misfits. We're supposed to come together and fit together beautifully. Um, because when you, you know, like it, it says in the word that, um, that you were to go after the one sheep, that's because there's safety in numbers. When you're out on your own, that's when it's dangerous. And so it's our choice whether we come to family dinner. But when you're out there floating around doing your own thing, you don't have anyone watching you back. You may say you've got all the armour you want in the world, but like Tom showed us last week, you've got to have someone watching you back. And that someone isn't just watching you back for the physical things that are coming. They're, they're praying for you. They're standing in the gap. They're there asking you questions about your marriage when you're about to end it when there's hope. They're there standing behind you going, I know that your kid's struggling with that condition, but I know God's bigger. You know? Oh, I know that we, we've got um, our whole world is falling apart right now because financially we've made decisions that haven't gone well. But I'll feed you. You can live with us. You lose your house, that's going to be crappy. Come and live in our garage. It's all good. You've got to have people have your back. That's why God says to be in the family. Come to family dinner. We have a beautiful way of doing that. We have connect groups because this is a big church. It, there's, there's bigger churches, but this is a big church. And like John said this morning, he'd love to get to know everybody here. But I'm pretty sure if you even look down your row, there's people you may not know. And that's okay. That's, always, that's inevitable. You're never going to know everybody in a big room. But that's why we, do, we break it down a little bit smaller and we say, you know what, join a connect group. Connect groups are awesome. And you may say to me, oh, you know, Rob, I don't have time for a connect group. And that very well may be true. But something that God spoke to me years ago is that I don't have time to not have time for a connect group. You know, there's the story in the Bible about Mary and Martha they were both busy. They were putting on a big dinner. Life was going on. There was a lot going on. And Mary chose, instead of being the one running around busy for the whole night, she chose to sit at Jesus' feet. She knew that she was too busy to not stop what she was doing. And for us, Connect Group, being part of a small group, being part of a place where you belong and people are asking you the right questions about your life, how's your marriage? How's your prayer life? What's God speaking to you about today? What's something we can celebrate? Without people asking you those questions, you become isolated and vulnerable. And so we have to learn that, yeah, we are too busy to not be in connect group. We are too busy to not connect. We have to connect because otherwise we'll be taken out and then what's our busyness done? It's just left in a big mess. And so we, I find time, I make time, and we make time in the busyness of life to actually stop, connect with the body, hear from God, hear other people's perspectives on life. You know, you want to become a crazy Christian, do it on your own. 
You don't have people to sharpen you. You start thinking some crazy thoughts. <laughs> Stay connected. So, Connect Group. Some of the quick things through Connect Group, the, the values, if you like. Um, if you're not in a Connect Group, Pete is here and he's doing an awesome job just championing our already existing amazing Connect Groups. But I think if I could dream about it, now not all our Connect Groups have this, but my Connect Group most definitely does. I have a group of girls that meet here before church on a Sunday night at the moment and I'm loving it. They're young. It makes me feel young. It's really cool. Anyway, there's food. Always food. There may be blueberries, but there's definitely chocolate. There's always food. It says in the Bible that they broke bread together. There's something that happens when we share a meal. You know, Jesus chose communion, sharing a meal, as one of the most important holy things that we could do together. So connect group, there should be food. There should be love. It's a safe place to rock up to. Regardless of what you come in with, it's a safe place. You can come, be real, be vulnerable with each other. There's nothing um, brings us closer together than being real and vulnerable. I love Psalm 139. It talks about where can I go from your presence, God? Where can I flee? If I go to the highest heights, you're there. If I go to the lowest lows, you're there. It means that God isn't scared of the mess that we're in. He's just right there with us. And, and as, as family, we're supposed to be the same. Not scared of the mess that each other's in, but right there with us. We're supposed to draw near. And you know what happens? I don't know about you guys, but when Steve and I are having a bit of a, a tiff, if you like, not that it happens, does it, babe, very often. I had the funniest thing happened this week, total side note, but anyway, it was really funny. I, I happened to stumble with half an hour into a shoe shop <laughs> as, and I was like all these great sales and I knew I was meeting Steve at that shopping centre for a coffee. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm telling this, but it was funny. And I was standing there, I'm saying to the girls and they're like, which one? And I'm like, you know what, I don't care which shoes we pick, but we just got to do it really quickly because my husband's in the centre somewhere in the centre and I'm like so we just got to do this quick because I'll take them to the car and they'll be in the back of the wardrobe and they'll slowly come out <laughs> and Steve will be saying to me babe are they new no babe I've had them for ages I can't believe you haven't noticed <laughs> we do pre-marriage if anyone's interested <laughs> but you know what happened it was the coolest thing Steve suddenly walks up and surprises me behind me and I'm like oh no and the girl behind the counter she's like I reckon you need some new shoes too. And he was like, there they are. <laughs> so I just, we just shared the moment. I have no idea why I told you. It was a really funny story. We walked out with like five boxes of shoes, but they all cost less together than his would have been on their own. So it was a bargain. And you can't leave stuff there on the shelf for that price. It's just not, it's just not good. You're supposed to be resourceful and whatever. So anyway, back to the point. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> too busy not to pray because I'm too busy shopping for shoes. Anyway, faith-filled. It's supposed to be full of faith. Talk about what God's speaking to you about, you know. Talk about it. When you start to, when you hear someone talk about it, my friend Laura, she drives me nuts because every time I try to have a normal conversation, she's like, God's been speaking to me about this, this and this. I'm like, oh, we're having a God conversation. I just wanted coffee. And then she inspires me and we get on with it and we start to delve into the word a little bit more, you know. So have God conversations in your connect group. Have God conversations over your coffee. It's important. It doesn't have to be deep theological Bible study. It could be while you're flipping burgers on the barbecue that you kind of just go, you know, how's, you know, you've got that going on and what do you think God will do about that? You know, what's he saying about that? It's not rocket science. It's just doing life together. It needs to be regular. Like I said, we're, we're too busy not to be connected. God has this amazing ability to increase your capacity. He really does. Um, allow him to do that. Ask him, mums in particular, our capacity may look like this right now, but God has the ability 
when we're doing the thing that he's called us to do, to increase our capacity to bigger than we could have ever imagined. And you know what? Everything still stays okay. Our children don't disappear. We don't lose them. They're all still okay. He increases our capacity on the things that he wants us to do and he blesses it and touches it. Connect groups and doing things, life smaller together, it builds the body. We're on the same page. We're on the same vision. You know, it should be in this place that we could go up to any one of you and go, so A21's coming. Are you excited about it? And you go, yeah, I am. And I'm going to do this, this and this. It shouldn't be a shock of what's A21? Because if it is a shock of what's A21, which is okay, it means that we're not doing life closely enough to know what the vision of the church is, where we're heading, what are we doing corporately together? We should be all moving in the same direction. Um, And just doing announcements on a Sunday isn't going to probably do that. We have to actually do life together and talk about it, Um, which is really cool. And that's what happens in connect groups. We talk about what's coming up. How do we partner with that? Okay, A21's coming. They're having a bake sale. Our group of of women who know how to bake or a group of men who know how to bake. We We can contribute that. Let's come as a group and serve. Let's come as a group and serve as we set up the hall or the building every week. Let's come as a group and serve as, you know, we have food care every week. Let's, this week, our Connect group is going to come and drive to Sydney and pick up everything. It can be simple, you know. It can be our group this week. I know that um, Annette and some of the guys last week, they finished up at church and went, well, we don't want to stop socialising yet. Let's all go together and have a picnic. And they had a picnic and I heard it was an amazing time together. It doesn't have to be a structured, you know, I don't have time for any more structure. It's I don't have time to not have any more life. And then there's how can we help? And this is the bit that I love. This is pastoral care. This is outreach. There's two different ways that we can look at pastoral care. In Job, it says this. Three of Job's friends heard of all the trouble that had fallen on him. Each travelled from his own country and went together to Job to keep him company and comfort him. When they, first caught, when they first caught sight of him, they couldn't believe what they saw. They hardly recognised him. They cried out in lament. They ripped their robes and dumped dirt on their heads, as you do, as a sign of their grief. Then they sat with him on the ground. I love this. This is like, this changed my whole thinking. So basically, Job was in a mess. He had like sores all over him. His life had fallen apart. He was under the biggest test that you could possibly imagine. His world was caving in and his friends rocked up seeing him and they were like, oh my goodness, Job, you're in such a mess. This is awful. And although they couldn't do anything to take away his pain, they couldn't do anything to bring back the things he had lost. You know, they did, they seven days and nights, they sat there with him in the dirt, not saying a word. They could see how rotten he felt and how deeply he was suffering. I don't know how many times I've had no words to say, I cannot fix the situation, I cannot bring a child back, but I can be present. I can sit in the dirt with people if I need to. Sometimes it's as simple as going, babe, I know this is really crappy, but we're here with you. We're standing alongside you. You're not alone in it. You're not, this, a new day will come. We're just going to be here together. There's sometimes that needs to happen. And then there's other times, and I love this, I shared it with the prayer guys, the team this morning before we prayed. And it's in Luke. This is one paragraph in the Bible, and I just think it depicts everything we're supposed to do as Christians. It says this, it's in Luke 5, 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. 
When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but that stirs something in me that makes me go, come on, we've got to do this life together. Like seriously, we can sit in the dirt sometimes and sometimes that's needed. But more often than not, it's time to get off our backsides and start looking around for the people who are paralysed, pick them up, get together as a group. I tried to carry, I, I work in residential care and one of my young people decided that drugs and alcohol are a good choice in the middle of the night and he got himself into such a state that he passed out. And so me and one of the other staff members had to go and try and carry this kid down the bike track into the house, chucked him onto bed, dragged him up. It was... It was quite the ordeal just moving somebody that cannot move themselves. You can't do it on your own quite often. If someone's at a point where they're paralysed, you probably can't move them on their own very well. You need to gather. And so I love this. It said a group of them. They grabbed their friend, picked him up on his mat, and they took him. And when they took him, they got to a place where they went, okay, there are people everywhere. Like, I imagine that you could barely move. There was so much hustle and bustle. People were getting saved, like healed and saved and set free from everything. So there was lots of people there. And so they got there and went, oh. And they could have said, oh, it's too hard. Sorry, bud. Maybe next time. Let's just put you in a comfortable spot on the side of the road and we'll come back and give you dinner and stuff later. But your problem's actually too big and we can't quite get you to Jesus. Even though we know that's who you need, we can't quite get there because we just don't know. But they didn't do that. And how often do we have friends like that? Sometimes someone will come and go, my marriage is falling apart. And you go, well, I'm no marriage counsellor, but I'll pray for you. And you run. (laughs) Rather than going, okay, well, I'm no marriage counsellor, but what else can I do? I need to get you to Jesus. I need you to get to help. What else do I do? And so the friends, they went, well, this is a problem. This is a roadblock. Let's hoist him onto the roof. Let's take him through the roof. Of course, because that's going to be easy with a paralysed man, but they did it. They, They somehow figured out a way. Simple, ordinary people, they figured out a way to lift their friend up onto the roof. And then once they got to the roof, they deconstructed the structure that was in the way and they lowered him down in front of Jesus' feet. And oh man, that excites me so much. That's our job, church, is to to gather together around each other and go, you may not be able to do this on your own right now, baby, but I'm going to do everything we can. We're going to push through the crowd. We're going to lift you up. We're going to lower you through the structures that are trying to tell you that you have no right to Jesus. And we're going to lower you not only into a space near him, we're going to put him right in front of his feet. We're going to push past all the limitations of, I don't know how to do marriage I don't know how to do financial issues. I don't know what to do when someone comes and says, my baby is sick and dying. Let's not get scared of it. Let's go, well, what has God given us to do? He's given us the body. Because in this room, there are marriage counsellors. There are doctors. There are financial planners. There are so much in this room that God has gifted us with to help each other. But if we live isolated, we'll never know the abundance of gifting and blessing that's in this room. Oh, it just excites me. I'm sorry. But then they drop him in front of Jesus. And Jesus says to them, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. We're supposed to do this life together. Because you know what? Every single one of you, every single one of you guys, you know, John and Narelle, Bennett, Wendy and Dave, Mary and John, every single one of us were that paralyzed person on the ground. Every one of us Every one of us needed to be set free and healed and touched and saved by our Jesus. And every single one of us had somebody who spoke life, 
Somebody who said, Rob, I know that your family life is crappy, but I'm going to take you to youth every week. I'm going to be the one that speaks life into you. I'm going to take you in when your family falls apart. I'm going to place you in a family of people who are going to build you up. I'm going to give you a place where you can have identity and not stay in the life and, and the cycle of, of, you know, living off Centrelink and having abuse and having violence and, and having kids out of wedlock. And that just that, that cycle to being able to get me to the point where I can stand on this platform today and say, I love Jesus with all my heart. I am healed and whole. I have an amazing husband. I have amazing kids. I have an amazing job. God, help me with my job. It's all because of this. It's all because I had people carry me on my mat. Didn't just stop because I was an annoying little teenager who had issues. Didn't just stop because I had a family that didn't quite fit in with their normal social standards. They lifted me up and they picked me up and they pushed through every single barrier and said, babe, I'm dropping you at the feet of Jesus. And as soon as I met Jesus, you can't stop me now. You can't. And so do life together. Stop doing it on your own. If you're saying, I come to this church every week, nobody talks to me. Well, talk to somebody. Because if you talk to somebody else, guess what? You've spoken to somebody. There's, a, there's an info counter. There's a welcome lounge at the back. If you're not confident, just go sit on a chair. Take up residence. Don't sit there too long because Kim will have you on the team, but that's okay. Best way to meet people is to serve people. That, that area outside, don't rush out the front door that way. Go out the door that way. There's people out there that want to meet you and talk to you and get to know you. If you're not in a connect group yet, I was meeting, met with Karen and we're talking about, you know, am I right to share your connect group story? Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> she said to me, she's like, I'm loving my connect group. I'm loving my connect group. But she's like, I'm just wanting, this is something else. And she told me that she rocked up to, um, I suggested a few and, and she went, she's like, oh, it's so cool. We've got the same things going on in our life. And, and she's like, it was great. And I'm like, I know, it's not hard. It's not. Anyway, totally off track. We live in a society that wants us to climb over each other, not do life together. As a church, let's cheer each other on. Let's teach each other. Let's love each other. Let's support each other. Let's have a place where we can bring our gifts and talents and abilities to the table and get the job done. The love of Christ is what binds us and brings us together. It's more than the world could ever offer. And I love that in the end of Acts 2, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. People want what we've got if we do what we've got well. Yeah? I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father God, I just love you today. I love you that you are so smart that you know that we're not supposed to do this life alone. I thank you that, that when we come together and we bring all the little bits of things that we've got that you've given us, you create a masterpiece of something that is phenomenal. We thank you for the privilege it is to be able to carry people on their mat to your feet and see their lives transform and change. Help us to know when we're to sit in the dirt and when we're to lift up and carry, Lord God. We just thank you for this church. We thank you for this family. We thank you for every single person that is calling Shell Harbour Community Church home and those who are yet to be dropped through the roof. Lord, we look to them, we wait for them, Lord God. We prepare a way in Jesus' name for them. And you know, church, right now, I just want to give you just a really, an opportunity. If you are yet to come to know the Jesus that we're talking about, the one who can actually bring healing and wholeness and purpose to your life 
and you kind of feel like I'm a little bit like the paralyzed man. I don't really know where I'm going in life. I feel like I'm not moving anywhere. I need help. I need to know what this Jesus is. I need to know who he is with every eye closed and every head bowed. It's as simply as saying, Jesus, I've been doing life on my own, but I want to do it your way. Help me to do it your way. If that's you this morning, if you want to even just start the journey of that this morning, you want to have a question even in your mind of who is Jesus today? I want to get to know him. With every eye closed, I'm the only one looking. Just raise your hand now and we'll have a chat after the service. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. It takes you from just just doing the everyday to doing extraordinary things. Thank you, Jesus.